0: There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, welcome back to the show, everybody! Uh, I don't have to time travel around the world because I am in Santa Barbara, and I'm with my uh, co-organizer and licensee and wife, Kimberly Weil. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Hello. So th- today we're going to talk about TEDx Santa Barbara. We just had our event, and uh, I think we're we're still trying to catch up on our <laughs> sleep, aren't we?
1: Uh, It'll be a while, As, as is always the case. And I know, you know, in years past, we used to immediately head out of town the day after. But it's even if you go out of town the day after it last year when we did this, it took me five days just for my mind to be my own again. You know, because, well, you know, in working with all the speakers, I have their talks in my brain. And so I'm, you know, my mind is constantly, okay, who needs to rehearse? Who's having a breakdown? Who needs to, you know, this is how, I mean, this is behind the scenes, right? So this is how it goes.
0: So we are one of, we learned at the TED Summit, which was ironic, was our 10th anniversary. It was. And we decided to go to TED Summit. And we met only a couple of couples who co-organize and co-produce an event. What do you think of the, the just the challenges that we have for doing that as a couple?
1: Best husband ever. That's <laughs> the right answer, right? <laughs> uh, well, I think, you know, I mean, it's kind of fun to be able to do something that you love with someone you love, you know, And and so we get to share in all of the excitement that is TEDx and everything around it. And we also get to share in the challenges that we each have in our independent roles within the TEDx world that we've created here. And so I think it's great to have a partner to fall back on, you know, when things are things are really tough. It's also great to have a partner to, you know, toast to when things are really fantastic.
0: So we started, we've been going to TED, you and you and I together since 2003. And in 2009, when TEDx was first started, we were like in, not in the very first in line, but we were in the, we were very close to that. And I remember meeting our friend Lee Daly in New York, telling him we were doing a TEDx. And why don't you tell that story real quick?
1: Well, I'm, we, it was a, a late night after a bunch of business meetings with our software company. And, uh, and we said, yeah, and then we're going to do a TEDx this year. And he said, well, when are you going to do it? And we said, well, we don't know, but we're going to do a TEDx this year. And he's like, oh, well, you have to do it on 10, 10, 10. Like you have to do it. That, that's, <laughs> it was like, pretty was not you not not do it. And we're like, oh, great. And then 11, 11, 11, and then 12, 12, 12. And that's what we ended up doing. And
0: that was it. We went and And filed for a license. (laughs) After that. Well, we took years. a couple years off. We did.
1: Yeah, we retired, took a couple of years off, but then we couldn't escape the TED gravitational pool, and then, you know, we're back. So we
0: them. did We did last year. The other thing mm-hmm. that happened is we were TEDx American Riviera, right? because that's kind of what people think of Santa Barbara, because the TEDx Santa Barbara license was not available. Mm-hmm. But it was back in the days when it was kind of hard to transfer and all of that, and he had abandoned it, essentially, but that didn't mean we could pick it up. So when we were able to get... TEDx Santa Barbara, boy, we jumped on that. Why don't we talk a little bit about um, how we divide the roles up?
1: Sure. So, you know, my life's work right now is getting ideas out into the world as a speaking strategist, and you know, helping people take their their own life's work and condense that down into a short form, high impact talk, and so. That's been my passion, is working with the speakers from day one and going to TED, you know, since 2003. I feel like I've grown up with TED. You know, it, it mm-hmm. influences my life in so many ways, especially the cross-pollination of ideas. It's it's just everything influences everything else, which I love so much. And so uh, when we started out, you know, that's where I gravitated towards when we produced our very first TEDx event. I really wanted to work with the speakers and so it was kind of easy to say, "Okay, I'll be here, and you everything else okay <laughs> that works out right? That's a fair trade you know any if you're in the red circle, that's me, everything out of the red circle that's you and i I thought that was very fair.
0: How was being a speaker coach different now than it was in twenty ten the first year
1: for me it <sighs> There's just you evolve as a person, you know, as as the years go by. And I think my standards have uh, risen as well. And so when I was first starting out as a speaker coach, I didn't know as much then as I know now. And I didn't know how important the role story plays in speaking in any format. Um, And I, I feel like just the connection with the audience and the nuances within the TED world. And when I coach speakers outside the TED world, it's usually for an event. They're speaking at a very um, high-stakes event somewhere in the world. With, the, with TED and TEDx, the speaking style is different. And this is really important, that you have to have an awareness that, yes, you have a live audience right in front of you. So you want to make those connections to people within the live audience, but then we're also optimizing for video at the same time. So as a speaker, usually you're either optimizing for one or the other. You are speaking to video, and there's nuances with that. You're speaking to a live audience, there's nuances with that. In the TED world, it's both. And so you have to have that awareness, the awareness in your content so that you have that global appeal and and that global sensibility, but then you also have to have that in your movement. And the things that you do within the red circle and how you move or you don't move depending on, how, you know, thinking about your video audience in the future.
0: As the executive producer and, as you said, everything outside of the circle, over the last several years, we've worked with the same crew, the same AV crew, same camera people, same director, same lighting and audio, which is great. And we've worked with the same set designer as well. And last year, I, speaking of this, we're optimizing for the audience and for the video. I'm thinking about the video, the production of the video and how every shot, every camera angle, uh, Supports what the speaker is doing, but also has the subtle branding in there of TEDx Santa Barbara. So how, how do you have it so it doesn't hit you in the face? Cause I, we studied the set designer and I studied hundreds of photographs of TED stages and figured out how could we be more subtle, more intentional and more supportive of the theme? That's the hard part. So we, it's a, it's not a game, it's a creativity exercise that we do. I want to ask you, uh, one of the things that I, I love about TEDx is that they're really defined lanes that we're in, right? And as TEDsters, we tr- we uh, we aspire to that, doing something that's as big as they do in Vancouver, just mentally and philosophically, and emotionally. Um, what is it that you're thinking of that makes TEDx Santa Barbara unique when you're coaching the speakers.
1: Unique as a TEDx event, or unique yeah, unique, you, just unique
0: as to an Santa. Event? Unique to Santa Barbara. I mean, what what is it? Or maybe it's not the speaking, but what is it? Do you think that makes this, our TEDx different than other ones?
1: Well, I think you know this was a decision that we made early on um, whether we should only invite speakers from Santa Barbara. Only or or not. And we've had lots of discussions on that. And I feel very strongly just like I have grown up with Ted. It's important to infuse different ideas. So there are amazing ideas right here in in Santa Barbara, but there are also Fantastic ideas that come from other places in the world, and to have a bit of both, I feel is a really good balance to a show. So um, <clears throat> we had speakers from Canada, we had speakers from New Zealand, we had we brought in speakers from the East Coast, we and then we had speakers that we found in Santa Barbara. So <clears throat> when when I look at speaker selection, I want to select the best of the best there is. <clears throat> pardon me, independent of. Geography, though that influences Santa Barbara directly. So if it's an idea that came from a doctor on the East Coast, it still will have influence here locally on the doctors here that were part of the live show. And then by extension, it will have influence globally by whoever watches the show. And so I feel like we're bringing that to Santa Barbara um, to, to have – that insight from different perspectives from all over the world,
0: I interviewed um, the organizer from TEDx Cashmere's which is a the Jewish sector Jewish neighborhood inside of Krakow, Poland. and I asked this that same question, like what's the percentage of local speakers versus uh, you know speakers out of the area? and especially for organizers that have been in a community for a long time, it gets really hard to keep going back to that well. He said something interesting. He said, that the speakers don't have to be from that region, but they have to be for the region so that the ideas were directly applicable. And I, and, and I, that was really in my head a lot, even though uh, by the time I interviewed him, we've already done all the speaker selection and curation. I think the other thing that we do that has been great is uh, moving downtown. Like our event was kind of on the outskirts of town uh, the first three years and now being right in the center of town and very popular theater and making the community having the community feel like they're proud that we have a TEDx here in town Mm -hmm. you've done this now I I know in your speaking business you um, you talk about how many TED talks you've listened to I think it's like eight or nine hundred that you've personally been in the audience for. So you have this well-rounded feel yet there's still some surprises for you. What's the biggest surprise that you have in working with TEDx?
1: I think <laughs> I've been through so many years of this that almost every year I think, well, nothing's going to surprise me. And then, you know, something happens, but I, it's, it, <sighs> Here, here's one of the things. Um, I, I can see what's going to happen to each speaker before they know what's going to happen. You know, I know where they're going to hit the roadblocks. I know. I can see the the path from when we start working together to when they hit the red circle. And everybody's different. You know, ev- everybody has nuances, and and so I, I'm just very aware of. Um, those subtleties in each speaker so that I can support them the best way possible when the breakdown happens or when they say, you know, I'm not going to be ready. I can't do this, you know, because that, that happens. The self-doubt creeps in to every single speaker. You know, I've worked with, I mean, speakers all over the world and it happens to every single one, even the speaker who is not a speaker, but is, but has an idea and so they're, you know, kind of hitting the stage for the first time to this speaker who's a world leader and, you know, speaks all the time as a part of their career. It's the same. There's still that that um, hesitation, you know, um, when they're approaching the countdown for the Red Circle because it matters, you know. And, that, and what I tell all the speakers is when you're nervous, when you feel like you want to throw up, when you don't even want to step out in front of that curtain. It just means you care. Mm. Because if you didn't care, it, it wouldn't matter. You would just be numb. It wouldn't, you wouldn't have these emotions. But the emotions mean this idea really does matter and that you really do care about this subject and you want so badly for it to be, to be amazing.
0: I know that we have conversations, uh, you and I have conversations about how all of the things we do, and I, I I don't know why I say it this way, but I say it this way, that they conspire together so that the second the person steps into the red circle, everything is perfect for them for that moment. The audience is primed. The lighting is perfect. The set's perfect. The energy level is perfect. The audio is great. There's no production glitches. They can just step into it. As our one uh, speaker last year, Chloe said, "I, I stepped into my future." Mm-hmm. What is it? What is the? How, how do you optimize the role of the audience in that conversation? Because I know you talk about that in your training, but what's the? Whether they are aware of that role or not, what's? Where's the audience fit in here?
1: Well, it. Connection matters. And so it it matters for the live experience and for the video as well and connecting to a person as opposed to for speakers. When I work with them, it's, it's really important not to just scan the audience and try to include everyone and just kind of scan and generally look in a general direction of the audience. Instead, connecting with one person at a time. So you find a person in the audience, deliver a couple of sentences to that person, have that connection. Because when you have that connection, first of all, it plays beautiful on video, but also it helps the speaker with security and feeling like, okay, this person is listening to me and this person is connected to me. And then you move on and you find someone else in the audience and deliver a couple of sentences to that person. And that can transform a a speaker uh, from the experience that they have to the audience's experience as well of wow this person is vulnerable and this person is really making an effort to connect to one person at a time being, and that's one of the original Ted commandments which is be vulnerable right so so that that be vulnerable piece is is critical
0: in this I noticed because uh, uh, you're the host for the event, so you're up there on stage um, all day. But I come out and, and welcome and thank the partners and, and welcome and thank the audience. Um, one of the things we do, though, each year is uh, which a cue we got from TED, which was to light the audience in blue so that you could see them. And then when I interviewed Remo from TEDx Sydney and I was looking at their images, I saw they light the audience in red. And I said, hold it. I'd never even considered that. And so when we were walking out on the stage, the audience was in red. It was interesting that I could – because I do – I follow your teaching, right? Go find a person. And I saw I was able to see people in the very back row, like their face clearly, you know, nodding up and down. And I felt connected to them. And I think that um, organizers, you know, talk to your lighting person about – Lighting your audience up so that they're not in the dark, number one, so they can take notes, but two, so the speaker can see them.
1: And the speakers appreciate that too because it it does help with the connection so much more. If you're connecting to the dark and you can only work the first couple of rows as far as connection is concerned to the audience as opposed to being able to work farther back with making those connections one person at a time.
0: So from a production level, your eye line is up, not down. Right. Um, so is the biggest surprise that there are no surprises?
1: No, there's always surprises. I mean, in years past, I mean, we, we've had some crazy things happen. Like we had one of the speakers who decided they needed to do burpees at the last minute, which is great. I love burpees. I encourage burpees. For our burpees. audience
0: who doesn't know what a burpee is, what's a burpee?
1: Well, it's CrossFit. It's just so it's kind of like you get down on the ground, you do a push-up on the ground, and then you jump up and, you know, kind of jump up and clap your hands in the air.
0: Over your head. Over your head. Yeah. Okay.
1: So um, he decided he needed to do it in the stairwell because, you know, get out some nervous energy, but didn't realize there was a cement ceiling <laughs> above him. So, so hit the ceiling, you know, had injury, right? But he was the next speaker up. So we just had to kind of pat him up and push him out there, you know, onto the stage he went. So, so, you know, surprises like that. We had a speaker lock himself in the hotel room because he thought he wasn't ready. You know, this wasn't last year, but, um, you know, and, and so, like, I'm kind of like, okay, bring it, like, whatever it is, you know. And I think part of being able to handle the surprises, the thing is is to just know they're coming. There will be surprises. There will be things that are unexpected that you can't plan for. I tell the speakers this, too. You know, we you, there's so many things that can happen backstage that you just are not aware of. You know, someone spills something on their dress and they only have that dress. They don't have a backup. And they're next up. You know, someone um, doesn't have an iron and just flew in hours before and and the shirt is wrinkled. And uh, we had that this year, Um, shirt wrinkled and stain on a blazer. So we we had to work with that backstage with only a couple hours before he was speaking. So, you know, you just, I think, recognize that surprises will come and you just have to be able to handle them. And that is a good segue into having... A team behind you is everything. And I feel like, you know, not only do we have the opportunity to work together, I've roped the whole family into being a part of this event. So my stepdad is the stage manager. My dad uh, works with building the set and X Factor. I mean, he is like everything and anything someone needs to, uh, you know, anything <clears throat> needs to be done, we, we call him my stepmom um is in charge of registration and she's at the front of the house uh, you know on day of and and prep days my mom <clears throat> assists me in working with the speakers she's an english major and and used to teach english and and is really good at uh, flow and um consistency in the through line and you know, so she assists me on, on speaker coaching. So it you know, so starting there, having the family a part of this to actually, you know, it extends beyond you and I. And it's so fun to have this experience with your family. And then that extended out to our best friends, get involved and they volunteer. We had the night before TED, our TEDx rather, the night before our TEDx event, it's two in the morning. And one oh, of right, one right. of Um, My best friend is on our deck outside building a huge TEDx sign in roses. Like this thing wouldn't even fit in the car. It was so big. We had to, you know, so she's building this, putting together roses. Why? Just because she had the idea and thought it would be wonderful for us to have a huge sign out front made out of roses. And it was one of the most talked about things that we had as far as you know our design and stuff of of the event this year and so now she's she's hooked in from now on we must have a ted in roses Out front.
0: And then what do we do with all the leftover roses? Because you wouldn't want – you didn't want to throw them away. Right. Well, then – okay. So that's a good
1: question. So, okay, for all the TEDx organizers listening, what do you do when you have this giant rose sign that says TEDx and the event is over? You know, the flowers don't live forever, sadly. So what do you do? Well, my dad had this great idea – why don't we just give the roses out on state street, which is our main street in Santa Barbara. So a whole bunch of us, we had some speakers, we had some volunteers, um, My dad was there. You and I were there, of course, um, as you know. And and so we just started gathering bunches of these roses, and they were each in individual vials, so they had the little water in them. So each rose had its own water. It was just – they were so beautiful. It was like
0: being at the rose parade. Yeah,
1: and so we were passing them out on the street, and we divided, and we all got bunches of these and just passed them out to people. And people were just like – You know, they were kind of little suspicious, like what's going on here. You know, is a TV show being filmed or what's happening? But they realized it was just genuine. We just really said, you know, we just TEDx Santa Barbara wants wants to um, gift you this rose, and it was it was really special, really neat experience.
0: There were so many tourists in town on a Sunday too, so a lot of them were tourists and I think they were they just had a good feeling uh for us. One of the things that uh, I talk about on the show is the the dragon in the story, like the w- what are the challenges? And I what's interesting is in doing as many shows as I've done this year, I hear the challenges from everyone else and I try to mitigate against them. In fact, uh, this year, I would have interviews on on Tuesday when I do the show, and we would have our team meetings Tuesday night, and I'd always have a new idea because I I'd just talked to someone from you know some place in the world. For instance, I talked when I talked to Casimir's, he had heard from Amsterdam for the organizer to stand in front and welcome every single person that walks in i'd never done that i'm very hospitable but i'd not explicitly done that i did that this year it was fantastic uh i wish i could have welcomed literally everyone but i had to get backstage and get mike to get up on the show but what are the challenges that that you found this year that were different than in the past
1: we had challenges with our set design. Um, that, what, what's great, though, about my role in this is that everybody tries to keep the challenges from me. So that I can just no, it's true. So I can just focus on the speakers. So like I'll overhear someone, you know, kind of worked up about something, and I'll say, "What's going on?" And they'll say, "Oh no, no, no! You don't need to know about that. It's it's fine. We've got it handled." And that happened about five different times um, the the day before and early in the morning on the day of. People just didn't want me to. To know about that, they just wanted – because they wanted me to really focus on the speakers. And that that was really – that was the first time that had kind of happened. Usually I'm right in the eye of the storm of whatever drama is going on. And so this time, you know, just our team – and that goes back to just having a great team, having roles, having, you know, different levels of of team leads and people under the team leads and, and those all of our team leads just – really wanted me to just focus on the speakers. And I think um, one of the challenges this year was I, I recognized that the speakers needed live rehearsal time with humans. And Mm. what, what I mean by that is uh, I had a couple of the speakers who, you know, don't have a significant other or are in an environment where they have no one to rehearse with. And so they're rehearsing to the wall or to the cat, or which is great. I rehearse to my cats all the time. My cats know all of my talks that I'm going to give. However, it's different than rehearsing against a human. And so, what I started doing is, um, as you know, Mark, we we rented another theater in town just so the speakers could rehearse. And so, I <clears throat> we did a field trip with every single speaker that was around that wanted to go to this theater, and we rehearsed there three different times. <clears throat> um, and, it, and I got some of the volunteers, some family members to sit out in the audience and space themselves in different parts of the audience so the speakers could get used to connecting to one person at a time in different places of the audience. And they said that had a material difference on their talks to being able to actually interact with a person and and delivering their talk um, and seeing someone laugh or not, seeing someone you know, like wince or not, or, you know, smile or not. And that that really mattered. So that went so well that the theater that we were renting, it was booked on other days. So then we started getting creative and we started going all around town. And basically for the two weeks before the event, I rehearsed the speakers every single day somewhere. You know, we were outside we were at the city count the
0: we, yeah <clears throat> we had the we had one of the district attorneys yeah. talking about human trafficking right. and we needed a room that day and she got you in the board of supervisors main conference room which is right?
1: great i mean just great it's, and it's also really good for the speakers to have different environments mm. because if that's what i was telling them and i carted the red circle all around santa barbara you know and got people to help me drop it off pick it up cuz you know if it it's wouldn't big. fit in my car and and yeah it's big it is really big and and so but having the speakers be in these different environments it really gave them confidence And and familiarity, I also really highly recommend um, to use the red circle prior to the event. Let the speakers be on that red circle because it gives them a sense of comfort when they step out on it on stage on the day of the event. And, And so it's not the first time they're stepping out into the red circle. So they're really used to moving within that space.
0: I know when you and I coached TEDx, Um, Cal Poly, which is a university a couple hours north of us and we showed up with the red circle and they said, is, is this the red circle they all do that right they all
1: do that the speakers do too they're like and when and you make I make a big deal this is not just a red circle this is the red circle and they're like really this is yeah and they they do that it's it's really great
0: no I want to talk about um, the, a challenge for us was I think a challenge for the team was keeping up with the new ideas that I had and after talking to TEDx Wellington and Hannah who was the um, co organizer but she was head of user experience that they had a person who was in charge of that was so uh, fundamental i felt to their success that we brought in uh jen uh for another good friend of yours uh who had never been on a team had had been to our tedx last year but hadn't really done it and she was all in on coming up with uh these various things to do but i'm I'm thinking of the circle specifically cuz what she did is she researched every single speaker. She went out and got spe- made speaker welcome bags for them that were either in the hotel room or that they they got. And then she wrote a letter that was specifically tuned to that person. I remember um one of our younger speakers, she said um she said the kinds of people who have been on that circle before him and the ideas that have been launched before him. And and she said, there is magic in that circle. Step into it. And I just, like, I was blown away a that she wrote twelve unique letters, but also that she took user experience to not just the the audience members but the speakers and the team and and was quite good in in that regard as well
1: she she I mean she did an outstanding job you know and and I realized how valuable that role is and especially not having ever done it before, but yet you know really making it her own and another thing she did that was just. Uh, outstanding was she got many red circles and we had for the first time a meet the speakers after the event. So we were trying to figure out what to – what we had a period of time to fill basically because our event ended and then we had the after party. But there was – Simulcast going on where the after party is. So they needed time to clear out the simulcast and reset it for the after party. So I came up with the idea okay, let's have the audience meet the speakers. So let's have an official meet the speakers hour. So we went right across the street from the venue. There's a a kind of a place with a lot of different restaurants, and she got red, mini red circles. To place around in that area, so people could fi- easily find the speakers, and that was another huge hit. I mean, just that event, meet the speakers as well. But having those red circles, little mini ones, and you know, one of the speakers, uh, I think, talked her into keeping one of those. I think more than one. Oh, more than one was yeah, it? More than one. <laughs> but it's just, it's, it's just the the red circle is just it has meaning on so many levels
0: back to the the team when you said the team behind you is everything um last year we had someone come in who was working under someone else and she really had a superpower around organizing and producing and Vanessa this year I I met with her and I said listen it's obvious you've got skills here and I find out she's a professional you know event planner she's like she left the day after ours to go do some big national event for a national brand but having this, I want to get into the advice real quick. Having a point person for the event, all the, the, the parties that you do, the gatherings, the various rooms, the venues, all of that. And the way she organized it was she had team leaders for every single thing. And then they had volunteers underneath them. And as this year, as you know, it was a rebuilding year for us, we had people in positions kind of for the first time. So it, it really, made a big difference to us in the event. I think the uh, the suggestion then back to team leaders or back to other organizers is really strong key positions, let them do their job, right?
1: And another role that we had that w- was critical is the speaker concierge. So this role is everything – but speaker coaching. So it's, it's like
0: a 6 month project too. Right.
1: And so it's scheduling the speakers, handling the the travel, you know, the the hotel or the travel or finding out when are people coming, the schedules, when when are they rehearsing, where are they rehearsing, you know, just uh, just having a point person as you said for all speaker communication because if I was doing that on top of the coaching, I couldn't have coached as much as I did. I coached more this year than I ever have before. And so this role, Rachel um, on our team did this role and just another phenomenal job.
0: So I know we just finished, but I'm already thinking of 2018. I've already talked to the venue about dates and all of that. What are you most looking forward to next year?
1: I, I think as, you know, I'm kind of permanently looking forward to getting ideas out into the world. And I feel like ted is such a unique platform that can spread ideas you know it's not influenced by the media it's not that you know we're not talking politics we're not talking there's a lot of things that ted is not so it lets these ideas be free on their own and and so i just i'm really excited about uncovering more more talent more people to have that just have these ideas, you know, you may not know their names necessarily, but they have these ideas that that really can affect change in the world that we live in on a global level. And that's what I'm really interested in exposing. I've already we're already in discussions on a couple speakers we have in mind for 2018 that that just have ideas the world needs to hear.
0: As we get close to wrapping up, one of the things I like to do is imagine that our red carpet is a flying carpet and that we can go to any TEDx in the world, uh, which I would love to do. So where would you like to go? Where, where are we going to go? This some TEDx that's on your bucket list.
1: Oh, boy. There's so many TEDx's I, I want to visit. But I have to say, um, is there a TEDx in Fiji?
0: <laughs> there should be. So that's where we had our honeymoon. And I think that's where we would have a. Right.
1: I mean, a, there should be a TEDx in Fiji. I someone, think so. if there isn't, can someone please have a TEDx in Fiji so we can come visit?
0: We'll come visit that. And then finally, um, the show's Hacking the Red Circle. And so I'm always looking for free things that you can do that make a material difference in the effectiveness of the show in, in whatever that means? What, what do you think is your best hack?
1: Choose your speakers carefully. Um, I, what I mean by that, and choose them early. So th- the sooner that you can have your speakers in place, the easier it's going to be on everyone, them included, because these ideas need time. To, to be brought forth. And so the longer that speakers have to really work on their craft of the TEDx talk, the better it is for everyone all around them and the less um, surprises that you may have. So I would say choosing them early and, um, and, and being careful with that because you want to choose the speaker based on the idea. And I've seen that go wrong with other TEDx events um, that I've worked with is, you know, speakers are chosen based on popularity or based on, you know, of the person, not necessarily the idea. So you may have a person who's an amazing person. You'd love to go to dinner with this person or go on vacation with this person, yet their idea isn't um, fully formed yet. And so it's more like this person has an amazing idea. biography, but yet they don't have their idea ready to go yet. Not to say this person couldn't have an amazing idea, but what I look for is what is the idea first?
0: Kimberly, thanks so much for joining us on the show, and I look forward to traveling around the world and talking to someone new next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hacking the Please be sure to rate, write and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast makes a huge difference and share the show with your team. As we seek to grow our audience around the world until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for hacking the red circle.